Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. It is the first Monday of February 2022, and that means request week here at the Metal Exchange. Falconer's debut album, going all the way back, um, back in time to 2001, over 20 years ago now. But before we get there, Chris, how are you, my man? Uh, very good, very good. Um, this was, uh, I think this one was a long time coming. I know our friend Justin um, had requested this a while ago, months ago. Um, so I'm glad we were finally able to to get to it. Yeah, we've we've actually had a number of requests for for Falconer, which is a little bit surprising because I never I never put them up in in the highest echelon of of, of power metal bands or anything like that. They they and by that I mean. You know, I think Halloween, I think Blind Guardian, I never really put Falconer in the same category in terms of um, widespread popularity. But uh, at the same time, we've had multiple requests for this band and, and obviously this album in particular. Uh, we'll read a quote from from uh, Justin and why he picked this album in a little bit. But before we get there, um, really, really interesting week for, for new releases, specifically on the singles front. Um Conception releases a new sim- single in Monument in Time. Uh, a little bit lighter material it makes me wonder if the days of uh, Parallel Minds are, are over because they seem to be really just taking flow to the next level with all their their newest material. But I thought the song itself was was pretty pretty good, and I I, I look forward to hearing the rest of the album. I haven't gotten a chance to listen to it yet, but um, it looks like they are. Um like later this year uh, re-releasing their their latest album with like a whole bunch of bonus tracks that I think they've been kind of trickling out as singles there's a couple of live like older songs that are done live and this is another this is a newer uh, new track that will be included in that box set um so I've just been kind of collecting the, the singles as they as they come and I assume that um I'm assuming they're all going to be included in that box where it comes out. But, uh, yeah, I haven't had a chance to listen to the song yet, but um, I look forward to hearing it. Anytime, uh, anytime you get a chance to hear Roy Khan sing is a good thing. And he sounds fantastic on this track. It was like going back in time or something like that. He really sounded fantastic. I can't, I can't wait to see him live for the first time. I mean, I still have never seen him perform live, and so the hope is that fall goes well and Conception can get to Prague Power this year that I will finally get to cross that one off the the old bucket list. I am toying with the idea of going to Norway next month to see them at a club show in their hometown. I don't think it's going to happen, uh, but the invitation is out there and um, I know I will be kicking myself if I, if I miss that one. But yeah, I saw them back in 2006 and they did not disappoint. And I've seen Roy sing for Camelot as well, but uh, I am very much looking forward to that conception sh- uh, set uh, as well as, uh, these two other bands who are both uh, stalwarts on the U.S. touring scene and, and two bands that I've really come to like, especially in the last couple of years. Uh, German Thrasher's creator have released their new singer single, Hate Uber Alice, came out on February 4th. Uh, I'll simply say this. If you're a fan of Creator, you're going to like this track. If you have never heard Creator, go listen to it. And if you don't Pray like Creator... Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't like Creator... I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, but if you if you do not like Creator, you're probably not going to like this song because it is right up there with all their other material, and it's very very good. And uh, a, a, another single which is getting a lot of um, 
I don't want to say negative publicity, but a polarizing single by Arch Enemy called Handshake with Hell also coming out on February 4th. Um, clean vocals in an Arch Enemy song. It's not something they've really done. I digged it. I thought this was fantastic. And I also know that I might be in the minority here. I just think it was so funny that we, in last week's episode, just like we're taught, I went on that kind of like little arch enemy rant at the end of the episode about how they don't utilize Elise's clean vocals. And then sure enough, you know, five days later, they release a single. And and it's funny, I I saw, um, you know, one of our friends, um, Anthony DeCrisantis was saying that, um, he goes, I don't want clean vocals in my Arch Enemy songs. And I'm not I'm not a big enough Arch Enemy fan to care one way or the other. And I, I, I'm with you. I, I enjoyed the song quite a bit. In fact, it it kind of inspired me to uh, pre-order the album. So um There you go. That I might not have pre-ordered otherwise. And and I just pre-ordered the Creator album because it, it's time for me to, to just get on the creator bandwagon. So um, I, I love it. I love it. And I'll be honest with you. I have had them on my, my list, right? Like the list of albums that I want to cover uh, on a non-request week. I've had them on there for a year and a half now, right? Since, since or almost a year and a half since we started this. I don't know why I haven't picked them yet, but um, I am so curious to hear your thoughts on, on, on these German thrash legends. I just, um, I, I had overlooked them for the longest time, and I, I'll get into this more when we discuss them in long form, but I had overlooked them for the longest time. And then a couple of albums ago, I finally heard them, and I was blown away. And then to go back into their archives with some of their older stuff, they've been doing it for you know decades upon decades, and they are just very, very consistent. So we'll, 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 we'll talk about them more in long form. Uh, but let's get to the reason why we are here. Falconer's debut album, which I, I cannot believe came out May 8th, 2001. And, and I guess before we get into it, you want to read Justin's quote and why he wanted us to cover this? I think it's, I think it's worth mentioning that um, this is a band that has been around for 20 years. And I, I think it's safe to say that they sound like no other. They really, in, in, a, in, a, in a genre of power metal where there's, you know, uh, kind of that like defining sound, if you will, they broke the mold with this album and would continue to do that for, for nearly two decades. Yeah. And any, and I think anybody that tried to sound like them didn't come close to repeating the quality that, that they, uh, that they put forth. But, um, Justin is a friend of ours that we met at, at Prague power years back and, and he had been attending, I don't know how we never ran into each other prior to that. Cause there were a few years that we, attended at the same time but um him and his wife verna we became good friends with and um he had he would always say like we got to get falconer over here and i I was like yeah i just didn't think that i felt like if if falconer was going to play the u.s or at Prague power it would have happened by then because you know they had been around for about 10 years and and i i'm sure that it wasn't for Glenn Harveston's lack of trying, but um, it finally came to pass that they would be, um, they would be playing uh, right before the the headliners Anathema. Um, I forgot exactly the year it was, but um, as it turned out, Anathema wanted to kind of wrap things up a little bit early, so they flipped positions, and Falconer uh, ended up being the last band on that Friday night. And boy, was that just an unbelievable show! And and uh, you know, we'll get into that. Uh, a bit later, um, but uh, let me read what Justin had to say because he had been asking about this, and, and him and Verna were actually sponsors that year and ended up becoming pretty good friends with some of the members of the band. But uh, 
what Justin said, um, for me, I was listening to a compilation of some sort back in early uh, 2001 or 2002, around that time, and can't remember exactly. And, and I just hear the opening riff to Heresy in Disguise, and I was immediately like, oh, I like that riff. And then as the song played and, and Matthias's voice comes in, it just blew me away. Uh, I immediately went searching for a while before I found a copy of the disc and just loved it. It was so different from everything else and the amazing riffs and the uniqueness of combination of the singing uh, to me at the time. So I think that that kind of is a good um, framework for what we're going to talk about here. Um, yeah, uh, just, um, I mean the uniqueness of, of this album, especially, I mean, I think it still sounds unique 20 years later, but 20 years ago, I mean, this was like almost like hearing a Rhapsody or a Nightwish for the first time. Like it was just a told another world of, of music. Um, instead of like having the, the kind of high pitched uh, power metal vocals at, a la, you know, Michael Kisk, or Fabio Leone, or kind of that kind of raspiness of like an Andy Darris, they went with like a, a, a stage singer, and boy, does it work here. Um, Mat- Matthias Blad's vocals are just so epic, and I know it's probably not for everyone, but I thought that it that those vocals with the the just iconic riffs. There's an iconic riff in almost every song on this album. That combination, I think, just really made, I think, people sit up and take notice of this this new band from uh, Sweden to just, uh, just just come like just come on the scene like with this album just out of nowhere. And, and for me, it was the the opening track upon the grave of guilt that I just heard it and was like, holy crap! Like this is this is something else. I go back to like the turn of the century, and I think about all the young upstart power metal bands that were coming out or had just come out with albums or would soon come out with albums around again around 2000 Axon Star Celesty a lot of those again the, the Twilightnings these bands like that second wave of European power metal right and I think of all these bands and they they kind of took what was happening with Labyrinth and Angra and Ed Guy and and these other bands came along and kind of just pushed things to the next level, doing something very, very similar. To your point, the higher pitched vocals, the guitar solos, the whole bit. And it was fantastic. But these guys broke the mold and they were kind of like trendsetters in their in their own way, I guess, because no not a lot of guitar solos and vocals which just fly in the face of every other band that are in the genre and, and they somehow make it work with this riff based power metal that are a little bit less liberal in how they employ that employ that double bass drum technique, which is so common amongst the power metal bands. And then you mix that with, again, this, this like classically trained vocalist and uh, you, you get this album, which I, made a point of stealing on Napster back in 2001 because I remember there was a buzz about this band when this album came out and it was on, you know, Metal Blade, which is obviously a big label at the time. Uh, but poor college student me couldn't afford it. So I went on Napster, I downloaded the album and I played it for the first time. And I heard Upon the Grave of Guilt, the opening track. And I was floored by that song and i think i probably played this album more in 2001 
I mean, I don't have a record of this, but I think I played this <laughs> album more in 2001 than I did any other album because I was transfixed. I was, I was, I was smitten by the sound and in full candor, I, I loved it. And, and I just never, for whatever reason, gave the rest of the discography that close of a listen. I may have heard some songs. I may have heard some albums, uh, but it really wasn't until their last effort in 2020 uh, from a dying ember that I kind of paid as much attention as, as I should have. So this was a great exercise for me. You know, I, I loved the opening track 20 years ago and I played the album a lot and there were certain things that I remembered really well, but by and large, because I just kind of didn't listen to them for a while, I forgot a lot of this album. So it was almost like I was hearing it for the first time again because it had been so long. And I was curious as to whether the songs that I really remembered well from back in the day were going to be the same ones that popped this time. And I got to be honest with you, they didn't. It was very, it was a very different experience for me this time around, which I can't always say is the case. But it was interesting, and and I'm mad at myself for for not digging deeper into you know this this meaty discography that, that they have. But I will, uh, especially after going back to this album. Yeah, I, I think that the the change in vocalist after the the second album, chapters from a veil forlorn, might have taken some of the momentum of the like us as listeners away because. I mean, I, I, I can't speak for you, but I assume that you agree that you were a big fan of, of Matthias's vocals. So to see him uh, depart and be replaced by somebody who has a, a completely different style, um, you know, nothing against the, the singer who came in. But I mean, when you have somebody with a uniqueness like Matthias has and then he's out, it's kind of jarring. And Falconer had only released those two albums. I mean, um, I didn't really get into this band. I mean, I knew Upon the Grave of Guilt when this album came out, and that was about it for years. It was when um, when the band was announced for Prague Power uh, USA that I was like, I really need to get into this band. And, oh, my God, did I? I mean, I, I was telling you earlier this week that that year that, them and Dragonland were both announced. I can only assume that it would be both of those bands' U.S. debuts, but I became massive fans of both bands that year leading up to it. And by the time it rolled around and I found out that there were no visa issues and they were they were there, like they were in Atlanta, I was so amped to see them. And I ended up getting to see, we all got to see Dragonland play twice and Falconer completely tore it up. And I think that, that they were given that headline slot and could kind of do what they wanted with the time. They were able to kind of do a, a little bit of an acoustic set, which was really cool. And they just, and you know, stealing your word meaty, it was a meaty set. And um, I just, I remember standing right around where the soundboard is. My feet were just killing me, but I just couldn't pull myself away because the set was just so good. Um, and watching Justin um, watch that set and get to see, like the band that he sponsored and wanted to see for so long, seeing how happy he was. I was kind of behind him and just watching his reaction and it made it all the more like amazing just to watch. And so I'm so glad that I decided to like really dig in and become a big fan of the band leading into it. Cause it made it such a, a more memorable experience. 
And that would be their final live performance as well. So it was kind of a real send-off, especially for longtime fans of the band, that they would actually have a chance to see this show that was billed as their final live performance. And and, and it was... uh, you know, it, it was something to remember. There are there are a number of clips on YouTube uh, that are out there. So if you've if you're kind of curious as to what show we're talking about, just type in Falconer and Prog Power on YouTube, and I think you'll find quite a few videos out there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I took this album off the internet in 2001. I played the heck out of it, and then here we are, over 20 years later, going back to it. And you know, I'll, I'll just get right into it. It again that that opening track, "Upon the Grave of Guilt." starts with this really brief drum solo and then it hits with that riff which this is what this band is it is this is not solos these are not like this is not like wild instrumental sections that you hear in certain bands like a halloween or something like that this is riffage fast catchy riffs and vocals that i would put up against absolutely anyone just because they are flawless they are flawless on the album and they are flawless live um and and that is what makes them you know so special this um once once matthias's vocals kick in upon this opening track you realize that this is a different band from just about everything else else and just like a breath of fresh air well said I, i agree completely i i would be more interested in seeing broadway shows if they got Matthias, Matthias, whatever, um, to do like some shows in the U.S. Some Broadway shows. I like. I'd go see Hamilton. I'd be a lot more likely to see huh. Hamilton if he was in it. Um, I just think it's such an interesting choice. Um, like just going for something totally, totally different. And and I agree with you about just the guitar work. Is it's such a guitar driven band. Um, and uh, a Stefan. Um, who is who wrote all the songs on this album? I mean, it, it it's pretty clear that the, the guitarist had something to do with the the songwriting here because these are all very guitar led songs. But almost every song opens up with a very memorable guitar riff, and like you said, "Upon the Grave of Guilt" is no no exception to that rule. But um, just the uh, the way that the song, like like you said, it, it has that kind of that brief little uh, drum intro, and then just shoots out and like for me then 20 years ago and now like when a song starts out with this much energy and this much speed you like you have me hooked right away and and we haven't even heard the vocals yet and then like there's a part where he just um where it just kind of slows down and he does like this i I don't know how to explain it i'm not a, a vocal teacher or whatever um but just what he does with his voice um where the rest of the instruments drop out and it's yeah. just him singing this, I don't want to say falsetto because it's not that, but he's like, it's, he uses the voice as an instrument, but somehow enunciates each, each word much better than I'm doing right now. Whoa. Like that, that was actually quite good. I, I, well, I'm very impressed. I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell you something that I noticed. I was listening to this album in my, in my car earlier and you know what the difference between Falconer, listening to Falconer for me, and listening to like almost any other power metal band, you is, can sing I, along to it. It's it's in my range. And yes. On top of that, his enunciation is so clear yes. that you actually, I think you pick up the lyrics way quicker because I'm you can so actually understand you what he's that. saying. 
Yeah, so I, I, I was. I found myself singing along, and I was like, "Wow, I can actually sing this without going into a falsetto or just not being able to sing it at all." Yeah, like, I, is- I, I, you hit the nail on the head with both points, and it's that enunciation combined with the fact that it's in a lower register that just hits this out of the park for me. And then this particular track ends with this acoustic outro that they would kind of use at different points on the album as well. It's just a perfect song, and like. Could easily be my song of the week. I'm not going to do that because it's almost too easy. But um, what a fantastic introduction to the band. And then you get into Hearsay in Disguise, which I can understand why Justin fell in love with this particular song. Another opening riff that's just absolutely fantastic. And and this is the song that has the gallop. Like this is the one where you can go as you go through the song. And it's just so darn catchy, a little repetitive, um, but it's so, so good. And I said to myself, if another singer was singing this, would the song be as good? And I, I'm not sure that it would be because it was like the perfect blend of the clean riffs with the clean vocals. So Justin kind of gave me a choice as to um, one or the other being his song of the week. But I think based on his his intro comments, I think this should be Justin's song of the week. So I'm going to make an executive decision and make this Justin's song of the week. Justin Westmoreland, I should point out, not you. Um, So uh, and this is another really strong song. and, And it just makes me wish like or wonder why the hell was I not listening to the rest of this album when I got a hold of that one song? Yeah, like, if you like the you would, one song, you would, think, you would think that like you'd have to hear the rest of it. You want to hear yeah, more after that. It was like right around the same time was when I got into Dragon Force, and I heard, um, I think, oh, um, I don't remember exactly the song. You can go back and listen to our episode about that album. Um, but I like when I heard that one song, I was like, I got to go listen to this whole album. I don't know why those synapses didn't fire in my brain <laughs> when I heard that Falconer song. Um, because around that time, you know, I was probably a sophomore in college and, and or maybe towards the end of my freshman year. And I was just kind of like, I think I was still into metal, but I wasn't as into kind of getting into new bands. It was kind of just like, I'll wait for Ed Guy to release another album or Gamma Ray or whatever. Um, there's just kind of like this lost era in my life that I bring up a lot on this podcast. And this just kind of happened. This one kind of fell right in the beginning of that era. Um it's just kind of funny reliving it. And like you said, like this is, I think the first time I think I can remember actually sitting down and listening to this album start to finish. Like, it's like, I knew the songs separately, but not like in their proper order. And, and, and so it was cool to listen to, listen to it the way it was meant to be heard. And I also grabbed the, uh, 
the I think it was the 2015 remaster from uh, iTunes, um, just to kind of have like a cleaner experience. And uh, I thought it sounded really good in my car. I don't know why it sounded a little bit treble heavy on my computer, and it may just have to do with my speakers um, and like because I don't have a subwoofer or anything, so that could be part of it. But um, the remaster, you could, the, you could tell the guitars are mixed. Um, a little bit higher than than the rest of the music. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned Stefan earlier, who obviously wrote the music. He plays the guitars. He also plays the bass on the album. And the drummer is a, a guy by the name of Karsten Larson. Three guys. That was it. This album was basically three guys with with Stefan doing all the all the guitar parts, bass and bass and you know the regular you know electric and acoustic guitars. Um, really interesting. And, and I think that the 2015 mix helped quite a bit because that original mix is a little bit rough. Um, again, first album, uh, not that it was meant to be a demo, but at the same time, you didn't really have some of the tricks that you have now. Um, so I, I, I'm happy with the cleanup job. I think it was definitely better than the original sound on the album. Um, but you know, whenever it's a debut, you kind of get a little bit of a pass just because, you know, the, the budget may not quite be there. Uh, I am, I have to say at this point, I, I think it's obviously two for two with, with with two very good songs in a row. What are your thoughts on track three, which is called Wings of Serenity? Oh, this is another three for three. <laughs> there uh, you go. Uh, similar to Upon the Grave of Guilt, it, it opens up with like a quick little drum fill and then it gets, and again, right into that, another, another very memorable guitar riff. Um, and again, it, this is another kind of a fast-paced one like the first probably about the same tempo as upon the grave of guilt but um man i had a hard time choosing a track of the week and this was definitely one of the ones that was in contention for that um it's not going to be um upon the grave of guilt even though that was like my first love with falconer and um i I gave uh i'm giving justin uh westmoreland heresy in disguise so let's see if we can each have our own track of the week but uh this this one's not going to be it for me but it was definitely in contention Um, well i'm gonna i'm gonna choose it as mine i'll make it very very simple i i love this song i don't know that it stood out for me back in, in you know when i first heard the album but this time around going back to it this was fantastic. The chorus is absolutely beautiful. And the riff that just kind of permeates the verses on this song is so good. And it's surprisingly heavy for a band that's like not that heavy. This this song is pretty heavy. Um, it's, it stood out to me more than any other track this time around. And it was the first time on the entire album that they actually kind of employed layered vocals during the choruses. And I thought it was an awesome touch, just like the having the layered effect of, of Matthias's vocals during the choruses. I just loved it. Um, this, this will be my track of the week. So I get to hear it again if, if, if out of pure <laughs> selfishness.
There you go. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's just going to keep going because uh, track four is Quest for the Crown, and this is my track of the week. Nice, <laughs> um, three in a row. I like it. Yeah, I love. Um, so it kind of starts out with this very medieval sounding, um, quiet intro, and then oh, what do you know, a guitar riff, and and here we go. And um, I kind of like the the little bit of a folky element that this song has. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far as call Falconer a folk metal band, but there definitely are folk influences in a lot of their stuff. And this, I think re- you really get that kind of vibe, especially at the beginning of the song. But um, this just reminds me of like a good old fashioned drinking song where you just got your mug of ale and you're just go swinging back and forth. And um, just another really great tune. It's like, I, it makes me wish I could just go back in time and see this, this set again because it was just I think that they had played um, at least three of those four songs we've talked about yes. so far, and I'm pretty sure they played Mind Traveler as well. So um, this this song, um, I, I I like I like it on the album. I love it live. I thought it was just an absolutely fantastic live tune, and it's funny because you talk about that like the intro to me, it it sounds like a Renaissance fair. And like, it just, (laughs) it brings me like calling the minstrel, right? You got to get the minstrel in here for something. This is a really cheesy song, but it's, and it's definitely the folkiest of, of of the, of the song so far, but it's, it tells me like, it's almost like hearing um, a soundtrack to a story that you're reading. And and ironically enough, this week, I just finished uh, a novel that I, I want to be clear. I read a lot of nonfiction. I read a lot of biographies, history books. I had actually just finished a um, a, a novel for the first time in, in a while just because it was never really my thing. But I, the name of the book was called The Name of the Wind, and the author was Patrick Rothfuss. It was a fantasy book, and it was it was on a list of like the 100 fantasy books you have to read before you die type of thing. And, and the book based on – and I won't give anything away. It's, a, it's the first in a series of books by this author – and it kind of had this whole feeling to it with like guys going to the inn and drinking at the bar and, and, and things like that. So this song was like the soundtrack for, for this book this week. And I just, I love the book and I like this song just because I thought it really set the mood. And then, you know, it, it's just one of those songs that like you can't help but smile when you listen to it. I think it's, it's, it's cheesy, but it's cheesy fun and I liked it. We all know I'm the, the the master of ceremonies when it comes to cheese on this podcast. So. Yeah, that's true. That, that, <laughs> that is true. Mind Traveler, the next track, is an interesting one. This, to me, if you if you 
listen to the intro, it almost sounds like it's going to be a melodic death metal song. And then it kind of goes in a bit of a different direction. Uh, this is a song that gets a lot of love by fans of the band. I am of the opinion that I think it's a little overrated. I think it's a good track. Uh, I can see why people like it. I, I, I don't know why they. I mean, some people think it's the best track on the album. I'm, I'm not sure that I necessarily agree with that. Um, but it's it, it is interesting that there is like a subtle guitar solo in this track, which is something that's really not employed all that much. And and the last round of vocals in the song actually reminds me a little bit of Sabotage because they do it in the round style, almost like Chance, where you have the different layers of vocals coming in at different times. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I, I'm not sure that it's my favorite track, but at least I'm happy that they tried something a little different on this one. Yeah, I, this was another one that was in contention for me. For mm-hmm. I mean, almost every song was really in contention for Song of the Week. There really aren't any bad songs on this album. Um, they're all pretty great. Um, I, I like this one just because it kind of um, kind of goes back to more of a mid a mid paced tempo, but then when it gets to the like the bridge and the chorus, it kind of speeds up again. Um, but uh, it's just I think it's just another like awesome example of of Matthias's just amazing vocals and um and I yeah I agree with you like the the there's a little bit more of an actual solo towards the middle of the song then it um it gets quiet and you just get to hear Matthias's vocals for a little while um funny thing is that when I hear the beginning of this song I think of Pelike and and Tommy Johansson from Rain Seed and Majestica and, and Sabaton because uh, they did this this kind of goofy song called uh, Nothing But Metal. They made a, an animated music video for it and they basically just lifted the opening riff to the song and made it the opening riff to their song. Um, and uh, yeah, check it out. We'll, we'll post it this week. It's worth checking out. But uh, yeah, they just kind of just didn't even think to come up with their own original riff. They just took the one from the mind traveler. And I just remember the first time I heard it, I'm like, why the hell do I recognize this, this opening riff when I've never heard the song before? And that's why. No, no need to reinvent the wheel. I guess if uh, go, go with what works. Um, the, the next track entering eternity is a little bit different because it almost reminds me of like a sped up candle mass. It, it's got like doom vibes in the beginning of this song. And then it eventually, uh, you know, just doom vibes with a little bit faster guitar work. Uh, this is one of the few tracks where the bass lines really popped out for me. I thought that the bass on this track is fantastic. And during the choruses, I thought the drumming was really fantastic. This is an underrated song and is another one of those like send me to the to the pub and pass me an ale type of things. This is like another drinking song. And I like the change of speeds. It's, it's kind of sudden, but... There are certain points in the song where it really, really speeds up and, and you get the double bass drum kicking and then all of a sudden it slows down again. Uh, this is probably a track that I would say is maybe the most underrated song on the album. And I say that because I don't remember this song at all. The first, like from and going back 20 years, it was like listening to it for the first time and I loved it. I, this could have easily been my track of the week. Yeah, this and Substitutional World were I think the two songs that I didn't remember as well um but yeah i agree this is a good one and um again it just it it opens up with another really memorable guitar riff and um it's yeah i agree with everything you said i don't really have anything to add you pretty much hit the nail on the head with this one uh you know it's funny on the next track royal galley for some reason i thought that the mix on this one song actually was better than the mix on all the others now maybe i was just 
listening with a finer ear or I had gotten kind of in sync with, with the way that this album was mixed. But I thought the mix on this song was fantastic. Uh, it sounded just a little bit fuller to me. Um, this is, if it's not uh, Entering Eternity, this would have been my second biggest surprise of the week. There is an epic chorus on this track combined with what I will only just say is like the best bridge on the album, which happens right before the instrumental section. I love it. This is a really tight song. Um, I think it's, I think it's also highly underrated. It's not one that people talk about all the time. It's, it's one of the shortest, if not this, the second shortest track on the album. It's only about four and four minutes and change, but I love Royal Galley. The song is fantastic. Yes. And the reason that Justin uh, mentioned that this would be his, uh, his other choice for his song of the week is because uh, he actually went to the museum and saw the actual ship that the song is about. Um, I think maybe we should have our friend Justin on the, the podcast to talk a little bit about. Um, he probably knows more than the two of us combined about this band and this album. So might be interesting to hear his thoughts, but uh, that was, I thought that was really cool um, because he had actually gone to Sweden and spent some time with the band after uh, their final live performance. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of this song too. I remember they played it at uh, Prague Power when we saw them. And uh, another one of, I think, the more memorable songs, even though most of these songs are pretty memorable. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, you know, I think it's well placed on the album, you know, in the middle of the album and right before what I guess we would have to call the epic track on the album, a clock, a, a, a song that clocks in at under eight minutes, which is, you know, kind of long by power metal standards, I guess. And that's, you know, the, the aforementioned substitutional world. This song actually reminds me of, at least at the beginning of like that classic eighties metal sound with like a man of war or a wasp or something like something about that classic eighties metal sound with that opening riff, which I think is cool. But, and I say this with a big, but it has all the makings of something that I should I like otherwise. Butts, I cannot lie. <laughs> uh, this has all the makings of something that I should love, but for some reason I, I, I really enjoy the verses. I think the chorus is a bit weak. I don't love this track. But there are parts of this track that I love. And specifically, there's a part where it's just Matthias singing over the piano, which he himself is playing. And I think it's fantastic. And that section makes me think, quite frankly, that this album needs a ballad. It never comes. There's no ballad on this album. I mean, I I guess you can make an argument that there are parts of Quest for the Crown that are ballad-like. But for the most part, no ballad on this album. And that section of Substitutional World makes me kind of crave it all the more. Yeah, unless you want to pick up like the special edition and listen to the bonus acoustic tracks, those right. are kind of ballady. But um, yes, like the album proper doesn't really have one. And yeah, I mean, especially when you have this the the a singer of this ilk, like you kind of want to hear him be like the star, I guess. Um, and this is really, I feel like this album is definitely more of a a collaborative effort. It's not like uh the the it's not really anyone's show i guess i would say and it hit me today i was sitting in my car at the car wash long very long the sun came out for the first time since november here so um there's a lot of people waiting at the car wash so i'm just sitting there i think i heard this whole seven seven eight minute song just waiting to get my car washed and i was like damn like really just kind of sitting there and concentrating and actually getting to hear it i was like this is a really good tune. Um, I liked it a lot. I like that 
the um the chorus is like I feel like Stefan sings it or it's not Stefan, Matthias sings it differently than I thought he would as far as where the notes are going to go. And and so it kind of gives it a, a different flavor than the other tunes. So um, I found myself singing along to it. And again, something that I could understand and, and sing in my own range. It was kind of cool to be able to sing along and not sound like somebody who's strangling a cat. <laughs> like when I try to do sing Halloween songs, it doesn't happen often. So enjoy, enjoy it while it lasts. Um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on Lord of the Blacksmiths. And I say that because I had a very interesting experience with this track. I'll get to it in a second. I want to hear your thoughts. Well, it's good because like every now and again, when I'm uh, doing some iron work in in the garage, (laughs) I need a song to go with it. And I really hadn't found one up until this point. Um, so now the, the, the horses, horseshoes are better than ever. I have to say the horses are so, they just seem a lot happier. Uh, I'm just kidding. The song is great. Uh, uh, it's another one that I wasn't, I don't remember being super familiar with. And I think some of the more epic tracks kind of, uh, push this one off to the side, but this is another, another good, good tune. And, and again, like great riffs, great vocals, um, I, I have to say my anvil hasn't been used this much in years. <laughs> I have to be honest. I didn't remember this track. And as I'm listening to the song, as it gets into the first chorus, I said to myself, you know what this track needs? It needs that sound of like iron being forged on a flame. And sure enough, by the middle of the song, it actually starts happening. And I started laughing to myself because I said to myself, I just didn't remember that happening because I, I just didn't remember the song. But as I heard it and as they start, you hear, started hearing that the sound of the hammer forging the, the, the sword, I guess, I couldn't believe that I was actually like hearing what I thought the song should have. It was, it was like a surreal moment and it is cheesy as hell but it's a good song and i can't deny it and it also reminded me of the book that i mentioned earlier so everything seemed to come full circle with this one um it was just like it was one of those experiences where i was like having deja vu even though i didn't remember it at all so good kudos to them for a lot of the blacksmith and then we get to the last song before the bonus track the past still lives on this is a really cool song it's a bit weird. It's different. It starts with this really like cool, cool, like bass intro with, with the vocals on top of the bass. The chorus is so catchy and it's very simple, but so well done. Uh, this is a wildly underrated song and I thought it was just a perfect way to end the album. Same. I, I, it, I thought it was a little bit, the first couple of listens, I thought it was a little bit, um, like it was kind of ending a, a a little, I guess a little weakly compared to like some of the earlier songs, but the more I listened to it, the more I really liked it. And you're right. It does, it does make for a really good last song. And again, it's another one of those kind of like, you know, at the, at the, at the inn, at the pub with your, uh, with your, your mug of ale. And you're just kind of like with your boys, like, you know, just, yeah, like that, that, that Lord of the blacksmith really is the man. Um, (laughs) It's, it's just I don't know, like maybe I just like beer, but I mean, this a lot of these songs are really good drinking songs, and this one is no exception. Amen. Uh, the the song ends with a bonus track, which I am not even going to try to mention the name of this song. But the long story short is, I guess it would be the one ballad on the album, although it's a kind of a in in a different vein. It's basically like a a, a medieval swedish song and from what i understand a lot of the norwegian and not norwegian a lot of the like um 
Scandinavian countries have their own version of this song, whether it be the Danes, the Nords, the Finns. Uh, it, it's an interesting track. I don't have that much to say about it other than it's kind of because it's so different. It makes for a very good bonus track. I'd love to see the the Swedes come out for like the Olympics to this song for one there of the, you go. the Swedish hockey team just skates out to the ice to this. Um, I'll tell you a funny thing it reminded me of um, when the, the female vocals kick in, it made me think of like a, like a middle Eastern band, like uh, Mirath or orphan land there, the kind of female vocals that you hear on their yes. albums. Um, it just kind of, Reminded me of that. It's kind of a neat, neat track. Definitely worth checking out if you, um, if it's not on your copy of the album. I'm fairly certain you can listen to the uh, special edition on Spotify or iTunes or Apple Music or what have you. But um, it's it's kind of a cool little uh, thing sung, uh, I assume, completely in Swedish. And and it, it's I know uh, there's a, lo- a ton of songs in Fa- uh, Falconer's Future that are are sung um in this style um trying to remember if they had like an entire album or maybe it was like a bonus disc maybe the northwind bonus disc i'm thinking of but um you could tell that uh that matthias enjoys singing in the native tongue but uh this is kind of cool and and also um if you get that special edition there's some cool acoustic versions of Royal Galley, Wings of Serenity, and and uh, Mind Traveler, as well as um, the four original demo tracks that um, came out the year before this album. Um, so, chock full of, of cool stuff if you get that uh, that that bonus edition. Um, but it's probably available pretty much anywhere. But uh, yeah, good stuff. Uh, curious to hear what your uh, your rating would be uh, overall for this. Yeah, this I am so happy that Justin picked this. I I. This served not only as a trip down memory lane with this album, but it, I am going to have to go back and listen to the rest of their stuff because I'm the first one to admit it. There's only a certain number of hours in the day. And I, I, I think I'm just, uh, you know, it's like you said earlier, after Matthias left the band after the next album, I just kind of stopped listening. And for some reason in the back of my head, I thought that he didn't rejoin the band until like the last album or two, but I was wrong. He was on a number of their albums go because he would rejoin the band just you know four or five years later and and be on the rest of their albums i have to go back and listen to this stuff so if that's not a testament to what this week was i don't know what is other than i need to go back and listen to the rest of this stuff this was an eight for me um i don't know that it will ever be in the rarefied air of a holy land by angro or angels cry or something like that I don't think I will ever gravitate towards it that much, but this is a really, really, really good album. I uh, enjoyed it more. I think I think it's more balanced than I ever thought it was back when I first heard it, even though I played it so much in 2001. Uh, it's an eight for me. It's a really good album, and it's going to make me go back and force my hand to listen to all this other stuff now. Yeah, um, I, I I'm gave it a slightly higher reading uh, I'm going with an 8.5 on this one um I it doesn't it, it's really just kind of lacking the nostalgic element for me outside of the opening track but um you know there's always time um I'm going to be 40 soon and hopefully I've only lived about half my life so plenty of time to get nostalgic about the uh the the, the self-titled debut album by uh the great falconer and uh it, it's it's kind of a bummer that they um they kind of hung hung it up, but uh, 
There, there is a lot of material, like you said, that I'm not familiar with either. Um, especially the two albums that uh, Matthias wasn't on, but also a, a good number of songs that he was a part of. Um, I, I kind of got into, as far as new Falconer goes, it was really just the last two albums, Black Moon Rising and From a Dying Ember, um, which was, uh, which came out two years ago. Um, but I mean, I really, uh, the, all these other albums, I, in between, I don't know nearly as well as I should, although I will mention that some of my all-time favorite power metal songs are on these albums, like The Clarion Call and Enter the Glade, and, and my, my all-time favorite uh, Falconer song, Man of the Hour. Um, there's just a ton of really good songs, but uh, I, I think I had mentioned this when we talked about Pretty Maids, that's just, there's so much stuff I don't know, and... Um, I hopefully can make some time to, to familiarize myself, but, um, you know, I'll be honest with you. Like, so like this past week I was finding myself listening to trying to do a better job of keeping up with the, the current stuff. Um, so that I'm not caught, you know, with my pants down when the, the year end episode rolls around. So I, I've that'll make hell of a Twitch stream. If we do it that way with our pants down, yeah, that, we'll, we'll get removed by, uh, Twitch terms and services, but, um, <laughs> You know, I, I've been listening to the new uh, Battle Beast and Kissing Dynamite, and um, which uh, that album it gets better every time I listen to it. And Nocturna and Wilderun and and um, the the Sonata Artica acoustic album and and Persephone just released a new album yesterday that I have to listen to. And I got to listen to the Dawn of Sa- Solace album that you recommended. So I, I'm, it's so hard, like you said, there's just not enough time in the day to, to listen to podcasts and listen to the new stuff and listen to the old stuff and, and listen to the, whatever we're talking about on the podcast and just listen to whatever you feel like listening to. Like it, it's just, the, the and, and the more the time goes on, the more music there is to listen to. So yeah, um, that, that rant aside, yes, uh, there's, there's always so much stuff that needs to be revisited. And this band is definitely um, reminding me of that fact, and because I did not go back and listen to more Pretty Maids, like I said, I was going to when we talked about Pretty Maids. So there you go. I, listen, yeah. it's it's uh, when we do episode, uh, you know, I guess it'll be episode, uh, you know, nine hundred and forty-two in twenty years. I'll 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 ask you uh, your your detailed uh, thoughts on grime and grandeur, grime versus grandeur. And you'll you'll get back to me then. So something so that'll be your homework for the next twenty years. Uh, a couple of news items before we listen to your. Uh, I guess suggestion or your your pick for for next week's album. Uh, first off, John Zazula, co-founder of Megaforce Records, passed away uh, after a long bout with cancer. Apparently, um, he's been fighting. Uh, you know, he's been ill for some time. You may remember Megaforce is releasing the first Metallica album, the first Anthrax album, amongst others. Uh, sad news, uh, but, uh, definitely a pioneer going back to, you know, the early eighties and, and, and that whole, uh, you know, that whole metal scene at the, at the time. So our condolences to his family. And, uh, I believe a couple of, uh, news bits from the prog power world is we have some replacements, uh, that are on the way. Yeah. Um, bummed to hear, uh, super bummed to hear that, um, the power quest won't be, uh, playing this year. Um, and, uh, and dream evil. Uh, so power quest is now one for three and dream evils. Oh, for three, uh, with, uh, prog power appearances, neither um, going to the all-star game, I suppose, but, uh, you know, yeah. so 
there, those two bands are out and, and uh, art, artificial language as well. Uh, so three out of the four bands that were um, going to play on the f- day one of the festival have dropped out for, you know, different reasons. Um, but they have been, uh, the replacements have been announced and uh, Dream Evil is going to be uh, replaced by Hypocrisy, who is um, a, a, a big death, uh, mellow death metal band from Sweden. Um They'll be taking on that headline slot. Uh, Flotsam and Jetsam uh, will be um, bringing their classic uh, tra- uh, trash. Huh. I hope <laughs> not. Um, thrash metal. Um, this is going to be their prog power debut. Uh, they are going to be taking uh, Power Quest place. And uh, Artificial Language is being replaced by a French atmospheric prog rock band called Clone uh, with a K. Um, and uh, the only band to remain on the... Uh, the lineup from the original is um, the uh, progressive power metal band Mind Maze from the U.S. Um, uh, I'm friends with uh, Jeff and, and Sarah, um, who are members of the band, and um, they I know they both of them are super stoked to get to play at Prague Power because they they've attended so many times as fans, and now they get to actually be on the stage. So they'll be opening up the show. So very different look for uh, day one of Prague Power, but um, it looks like, uh, you know, um, promoter Nathan Block got, uh, you know, got some pretty uh, heavy hitting um, replacements to kind of keep things uh, afloat for that first day. I suspect next year will be a little bit easier in terms of planning and continuity. God willing. Uh, God willing is right. I, I am upset that I will not get to see Power Quest again which I'm sure pales in comparison to your thoughts as, as the biggest fan in the entire world of the band. <laughs> but I will say that uh, having seen Flotsam and Jetsam live, they are good at what they do. And I am very much looking forward to Hypocrisy. Um, I was a fan of their last album and they are going to simply put Tear the Place Apart in Atlanta. And I look forward to that. I, uh, I think that's going to be a really, really good show. They are touring. So this comes on the heels of their U.S. tour but I actually have a conflict on their New York date. I will not be seeing them in New York, but I look forward to seeing them in Atlanta. So that's that's the uh, that's the changes there. I look forward to being at a live music festival in four months. So that will definitely be fun. And obviously, we'll have much to celebrate with you as well. But before we get to Prague Power in June, we have a podcast to do the next week. And I am waiting with bated breath to hear what it is I'll be listening to this week. Well, it... I think you actually made it an easy choice for me because are you picking um, creator? Are you stealing my thunder and picking the new creator album? Maybe once it comes out and I've heard it, we can re we can reassess and and have Mike Crea on to talk about his namesake Creator. But um, actually um, I want to talk about a, a recent album and B a band we haven't talked about yet. Um, and that's Epica, and I want to talk about their latest release, Omega, because sure enough, you left them off of your uh, top 50 list of the year, and then you had the, the gall to send me a playlist of the bands that just missed the cut, which is another 12 or 13 bands, and they weren't on that either. So, I, I did. According, and I to, so according to you, the Omega album by Epica was not even in your top Sixty-five or so albums of last year, and I, I caught a know, lot of. And I want to know why. I want to know why. <laughs> I've received messages from people telling me, essentially, that I'm crazy because this album. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but uh, the fact that they thought I was crazy for not having this album 
um, in my top 50, my top 62, my top 68, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, people make mistakes. I don't think I did, but I'm going to give it, I will give it a fair share. Uh, it's fair share. I will listen to this a half dozen times this week. Uh, and, and I won't have to go back too far in time to do it because I have familiarity with this album, but I'm going to give it my best shot. I'll even just for you, listen to the bonus disc with, with the acapella version of rivers and all that stuff. But I will focus on that first, on, on that first disc. This is another meaty album. It's got, it's 71 minutes, but I will, I will, I will, I will enjoy it for what it is because I happen to be a huge fan of the band. I am shocked that you are not picking an album deeper into their back catalog, but to 2021, we go and back to Epic is Omega. Uh, it, you know, I will say that, um, some of uh, Brian's messages that he sent to us about how much of he enjoyed it is kind of part of what put me over the edge on choosing this. So, you know, shout out to, to Brian Clough for, uh, for mentioning how much he liked it and kind of, uh, you know, cementing my choice. But to be honest, um, the band has been on my radar for months now. To oh, talk sure. about. But I, I just always have such a hard time deciding which album because they're all so good that I just end up getting frustrated with trying to choose. And then I give up on the band altogether. And so that's why I didn't me- have the album so high because I, I love the band, but they were a victim of their own success and every one of their albums is great. And this was not anything different. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll concede that I made a mistake. Maybe I'll cement my shoes into the ground and, 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 and double down that this album was not that good. I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where the wind takes me. Uh, but uh, I look forward to to listening to it, and then I will come back next week and torture you with some death metal. So it's all going to be good. We'll have it. We'll enjoy. We'll enjoy some. We'll enjoy the next two weeks. Uh, thanks to everyone. Just, just, for- just be careful because the monkeys have like seven other albums <laughs> that we haven't talked about. So but they're all twenty eight minutes, so I can get through them that's, pretty quickly. That's a good uh, point. <laughs> th- thanks to everyone for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, keep uh, keep in contact with us. Leave us a good review, if for no other reason than it helps other people to, to find the show. And uh, we will catch you uh, catch back with you next week when we listen to uh, Epica's newest album and do a deep dive into Omega. Uh, Chris, take it easy, bud. I will see you soon. All right, take care, buddy.